Hello, Ricky. Uh, and the other guy. Uh, hey, uh... I want to record a podcast. Oh, okay. This um, is not a conversation. I am a pre-recorded message on a tape. I will be listening now. All your life, you thought that you could just hop on once a week and record content about movies most people have not seen in the last decade. You've done it successfully up till now. Having the benefit of cutting out all the embarrassing misspeaks in times when you have to look up information. You portray yourself as someone who has all the answers when all of us really know you're just reading IMDb. Let's see how you do without the benefit of being able to cut out the mistakes. So ironically, this episode will be uncut. You have one hour to record a podcast that covers Saw 1 through 7 while not spoiling episodes 2 through 7. So, So just the first one then? This is not a conversation in case you're speaking to me right now. But I feel like you probably asked just the first one, and the answer is yes, just the first one. Your time begins now. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 2004 thriller, Saw. Yes, we are reviewing this movie because we thought you thought they were done with Saw. They were. It's being rebooted in the form of Jigsaw. Look at that. I see what they did. I see what they did. So this is a continuation, but also like a hard reboot of the franchise. So we decided to look back at the original, which really blew my mind. That came out 13 years ago. Yeah. Seems like just 12 years ago. It really does. Uh, so, if you are unfamiliar, um, Saw is a American-Australian horror film uh, directed by James Wan of uh, The Conjuring, Insidious, and Insidious 2 uh, fame and feature Aquaman director. Now, what did you expect from uh, this guy, Aquaman? But uh, And it was written by... Uh, the star, uh, or one of the, one of the co-stars of this movie, um, it was written by Adam, or the guy who plays Adam. Yeah. Mr. Wa- uh, Wanell. Wanell. What? Yeah. Is that a name? Oh, is that, that's his last name. <laughs> oh, I see. It's not one now. No, it's a, a Lee. His name is Lee Wanell. Lee Wanell. That's a lot of vowels. Yeah. Juan and Juan L. Yeah, I didn't realize routine. that till the it came up at the end on the credits where I was like, wait a minute, that's the name of the guy that played Adam. Like, oh, it makes sense how yep. that happened. Oh, yes. Yeah, and uh, the movie um, came out in 2004, but the screenplay was originally written in 2001, um, and they wanted to basically after graduating film school, like you do, try to get a movie made. And so they drew a lot of inspiration from 
the Blair Witch Project. Uh, they basically figured that the cheapest script to shoot would be one with two actors in one room. Uh, a quote from Wanell Adam, a.k.a. Adam, uh, is, So I actually think the restrictions we had on our bank accounts at the time, the fact that we wanted to keep the film contained, help us come up with the ideas for the film. Hmm. Um, so after they kind of wrote the initial script about, like, two guys in the room figuring stuff out, uh, the character Jigsaw came up way, way later, um, when Wanell uh, was working at a job that he was unhappy with, and he began... Dang it. Uh, and he began having migraines. Uh, and convinced it was a brain tumor, he went to a neurologist and had an MRI, and while he was waiting, he thought, what if you were given the news that you had a tumor? And you're going to die soon. How would you react to that? And then he imagined the character Jigsaw having been given only a short time to live. And then combined the idea that Jigsaw was putting others in the literal version of the situation. But only giving them a few minutes to decide their fate. Uh, The movie was released in January of uh, 2004 and with only a budget of 1.2 million it made a hundred million dollars worldwide um and it was stupidly successful guys like at the time it was the most profitable horror film since 1996's horror movie scream wow uh, the movie went on uh to be released to VHS and DVD, and um, after its first week, it made $9.4 million in DVD rentals, Grayson. Just the rentals. Just the rentals? Just the rentals. That's like, what, four bucks at a time? (laughs) And it made $1.7 million in VHS rentals. VHS rentals? Are you kidding? In 2004? In 2004, VHS rentals, $1.7 million. They made over their budget in just VHS rentals. Flabbergasted. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's mind-blowing. Uh, and the movie was so successful that, like, the week it came out, uh, Lionsgate Entertainment said, make more. And so... <laughs> Do um, that again. <laughs> so every year... The week prior to Halloween, for seven years in a row, from 2004 to 2010, um, they released the Saw movie. It was Saw, Saw 2, Saw 3, Saw 4, Saw 5, Saw 6, and of course, Saw 3D. It was a tradition. It was officially called Saw 3D in theaters, uh, but then renamed Saw, colon, the final chapter for its home video release. And if we know anything, anytime it's the final chapter, it won't be the final chapter. Not the final chapter. Somebody out there goes, challenge accepted. Actually, on my DVD, they did it right and called it, uh, saw the final cut. Ooh. And then that one has less narration and, you know. (laughs) A more ambiguous ending. Yeah. A a lot of origami. Right. (laughs) Uh, and so, funnily enough, the series was so successful that it even had two video game adaptations. Wow. Uh, one, Saw, colon, the video game. Uh. Um, it takes place after the first events of the film, where Detective Tap uh, ends up forced into one of Jigsaw's games. Um, and then Saw 2 takes place in between the events of the second and third films. Which, fun fact, the third Saw movie was supposed to be the last one. Uh, but then Lionsgate said... 
keep burning it to the ground. Um, make it until the wheels fall off. And the uh, movie did keep on going uh, franchise-wise. In fact, there were supposed to be eight Saw movies. Um, mm. But with a new, younger, uh, more trendy movie coming out, uh, Paranormal Activity, beating them out of the number one spot in the box office, they decided to combine uh, the last two movies into just the final Saw 3D. That is um, upsetting, I'd say. <laughs> so the idea is that we're supposed to uh, somehow touch on all seven of these movies, right? Over the span of uh, watching these, I realized that I had seen more Saw movies than I originally thought. I knew for certain I had not seen Saw uh, 3D, though. And I had forgotten that it was Saw 3D. I remember seeing the poster and going, that seems like something I am not going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because I did not see Saw 6. So when I was watching it for this, uh, even though they say the the final cut on the DVD, they couldn't change it in the actual run of it. So it says Saw 3D. And it came up and I was like, uh, what? Because <laughs> it became very obvious what was supposed to be 3D and what wasn't. And you mentioned, I think more importantly in all this, the combination of Saw uh, 7 with what Saw 8 was supposed to be. It really does feel like two different movies in this final film. Oh, yeah. Um, but we'll get to this a little bit later, possibly. I don't know. Um, the, the last 10 minutes of... Saw, I'm going to just call it Saw 7 because I feel stupid calling it Saw 3D. The last <laughs> uh, last 10 minutes of Saw 7 made everything worth it. Absolutely. And yes. not, not just Saw 7, the whole series. Absolutely. Yes. Um, no spoilers for future Saw movies. We're going to try to stay firmly planted in the first one, but we will allude to the other ones as spoiler free as we can. You just can't uh, help it sometimes though. But oh, yeah. you know, it, that's it, the game you play. <laughs> uh yes. And um when was the first time that you saw Saw? When did you first see Saw, Grayson? Been I, for that first, pun. I first saw Saw when uh it was the day that Saw two premiered. Okay. I had not seen the first one, so I watched Saw 1, probably on DVD. I can't imagine. I was still on VHS at the time, but we rented it, so I'm, you know, I guess I'm part of that story. Um, <laughs> we rented the Saw DVD. I uh, watched it and immediately drove to the theater to see the opening of Saw 2. Um, and then I, when Saw 3 came out, I saw it like the week it came out. Saw four. You and I saw that together. Sure did. Had no idea what the ending meant. Took us all weekend to figure it out. Yep. Uh, although I will say, when you watch them back to back, it's painfully obvious. Absolutely. When and there's like a year said, the in movie... between, you're like, I have no idea. I don't remember. I didn't go back and watch this. Yeah. yeah. And then Saw Five. I guess I got around <laughs> to seeing it at some point. Because I was like, I was watching it, and each scene I was like, oh, this looks familiar. I, I must have seen this on IMDb or YouTube. Then the next scene would come up, being like, oh, yeah, no, I must have seen this scene too. Then the next scene, like, wait, I remember. I 
have I seen Saw 5? Yeah. Uh, every single scene I was remembering as it played out. Um, and so I, I had seen it at some point. Um, and then never saw Saw 6. I know that for a fact. Never saw Saw 7. And I, I knew that going in that I hadn't seen the last two for sure. So getting to watch those. And I watched in preparation for this episode. I watched all seven in the course of two weeks. Um, just to like feel what that story was meant to be. Uh, because without spoilers again. Um, you talk about how there's like the trilogy and then they build on that. It doesn't really show. Other than like key benchmarks along the way but the what i love about this movie and this will come up again i'm sure at the end of reasons to recommend but i i'm not in it for the gore and the violence and all that i'm in it for the story construction i am blown away by how they construct this story and i cannot think of a single other movie in this genre that approaches story in the same way and gives such respect to what it is to to be a thriller that only shows you the information that you need to know when you need to know it. Um, the only other thing I can actually think of like that could tie to that would be Sixth Sense, where just at the end, they show you an important part at the beginning and reveal it to you. But every single movie, all seven movies, there was an ending I did not see coming or didn't remember that it was coming. And I was I was shocked again. I'll use it twice in one episode. I was flabbergasted. Flabbergasted? You just wow, that's impressive. There's uh, a lot of flabber being gasted. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I so I remember exactly where I was. Uh, I so in the early 2000s, I had recently discovered that like not all horror movies are terrifying. Mm. Um, and so, because at first I just knew I was afraid. Of, like, I knew to be afraid of horror movies. I just knew to cover my eyes, but I had never really watched them. And so, um, early 2000s, I started watching more and more horror movies. Because I was just, like, I was kind of curious as to, like, what did scare me. Um, and also just, like, started watching a whole bunch of horror movies. So, I watched um, a lot of Friday the 13th movies, a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and other random horror movies that would pop up. And so, at this point in time... Uh, when Saw came out, I'm like, I know horror movies pretty much now, but I'm still kind of fascinated by them. But I know mm -hmm. the beats. I was like, okay, it's this person, this, that, the other. And I just like kind of like was mentally just figuring things out. And then the ending happened. And by the way, I ran at this movie from Hollywood Video, throwback R.I.P. Um, and I remember I was watching this movie on the family computer because... The family computer was a DVD player, and mm. I felt like such a millennial uh, watching a movie on my computer. Uh, <laughs> and I remember when the ending happened, jaw dropped. I was just like, what? And then everything else came together. I said, oh, this movie changed the game. Yeah. Like, I was not prepared. Because you, got, you have to understand, like... Um, a lot of people kind of credit this movie um, for kind of starting the trend of a term called torture porn. Yeah. Uh, where the movie is about, like, people being tortured in all these really crazy ways. Like Hostel um, fell into that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Human Centipede. Like, all those other, like, yeah. 
torture-y kind of movies where it's focused on the torture scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only in the sequels that that is the focus. Uh, the original creators, and especially the Adam, I'm going to call him Adam, mm-hmm. uh, he said that like they wanted the film to play out like a mystery thriller. And the first one totally does that in like such an amazing way. Because like, you don't feel like you're just watching this like trap movie because ironically um the two characters uh adam and lawrence they aren't really in like a trap like how the future movies are they're just kind of in a hostage situation like they've basically just been kidnapped and they're just in a room just kind of waiting like they're not put in any kind of device or anything they're just like hey just figure it out guys uh yeah they just have the the chain around their their feet was the only exactly. thing. Yeah. And so it was so the first time I saw it, I was like, this movie, I'm so impressed with this movie. Like this it's not falling into the other tropes or anything like that. Like they're really switching up the game. And so like I went out and then like every year I watched all the Saw movies year to year as they came out and I loved them. Um and I recently uh showed them to my wife and she loved them too. Like after the first movie she like uh, when Jigsaw got up, hmm. she's like, w- 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 "What?" And I was just like, "Uh huh." She's like, "There's more, right?" I was like, "Oh, there's more." And so we watched the whole series re- recently. So I was just really impressed again with the story because, like, yeah. you think you know everything, especially after you watch a lot of horror movies. A lot of horror movies hit on the, the same beats, and you, they focus on like the jump scares or this, that, the other, but. Like you said, they really give you a mystery um, mm-hmm. because it becomes more about a series of why done it as opposed to like who done it. Because like after you find out who Jigsaw is, you're like, oh, well, it's this guy. But now you're like, okay, but why did he do this? And you start to unfold the mystery. Yeah. Uh, I have always felt that a solid thriller is a good story told out of order. And that's what this does. Like it is all over the place with the sequencing, but it's a very purposeful sequence to elicit a very specific reaction. Um, that's an interesting point that you bring up about how the first movie does not have the same feel as the other movies as far as the torture scenes. I think the only exception to that is Amanda's scene. She's oh, yes. in the head base, head brace. She's going through the um, the intestines and all that. It felt like they took that one scene and go. That's that's what we want the rest of them that's to be. It. That's you it. got the doll, you got the paint, you got the keys. All right, go for it. Which fun fact, um, Adam, uh, to get the movie sold, they actually shot a short film where it was that scene. But mm. Adam was a character um, oh. instead of Amanda, and he was in the bear trap. But he was also like the lone survivor. Um, and like, It was like a little five-minute short that they made to get the movie picked up. Huh. They really do lock into that head brace a lot in the the later um, movies. So it's uh, interesting to think about like how important that head brace was to the entire franchise. Um, but yeah, that's cool that he made like a short to to pitch it. I think um, I think Tommy Wiseau did the same thing. <laughs> he did. He did indeed. <laughs> oh hi, Jigsaw. I want to play a game. <laughs> It's called Tuxedo oh. Football. <laughs> that, that doesn't look like a fun game. 
<laughs> ah, you're so funny. <laughs> Good story. <laughs> oh, man. Was there anything that you noticed this time around, especially after watching all of them kind of back to back, that you didn't notice before? Uh, yeah. I mean, a ton. Entire fifth movie, for one. Um, <laughs> There's a fifth movie. Yeah, I, I was in a very different like stage of my life when I saw them. I was like uh, just about to go into college, I guess. And then you and I saw them, saw the fourth one in college. And then as we graduated, we didn't really see the, like the final ones till later. So having that distance from like just more maturity and life and things like that for whatever reason. And I hope this isn't used against me in a court of law. I really identified with Jigsaw. <laughs> like, okay. Just right. in the sense of a guy who gets so angry that at the injustice around him, that he just has this desire to like make it right. He totally goes about it in the wrong way. That should be included in the testimony used against me. Uh, but <laughs> he totally goes about it the wrong way. But just that feeling, it, it almost had like a, um, uh, a falling down feel like with Michael Douglas, like just that raw anger where, okay, spoiler alert for falling down. Uh, the, the idea of that movie is that it's a guy who just can't take like the injustice in the city anymore. And he, he lashes out at different criminals and things like that. And at the end of it, he realizes he has caused so much violence. He comes to the realization that he was the bad guy. And he actually says that out loud. And he was like, well, I'm, I'm, the bad guy like i'm the one that has to be stopped it's been a while since i saw falling down but um it's that same kind of feel of like jigsaw believes he's doing the right thing he honestly believes he is rehabilitating people so maybe i don't actually identify with it now that i'm (laughs) saying it out loud but for whatever reason i was i was more interested in jigsaw than i have been in the past and um just the his thought process. I guess that's why I should say. I, I was more interested in how the story served the argument that Jigsaw was trying to make um, and never really came to a conclusion as to whether he was right or wrong. It was just here is one man's perspective and the effects of that single idea uh, when brought to full execution. So that... It's just something I honed in on a lot more this time, whereas before I think I was like, ew, gross. But this time it was, um, it actually had some like solid character development that went into it, especially when you start getting into the later movies and you see more flashbacks of his life and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just, I appreciated Tobin Bell's performance as, as Jigsaw. I think he is such a special actor. Um, and he he is the series, and I was just able to appreciate that a lot more this time. Oh, yeah. And the lore is that, he, especially in the first movie, that he wrote most of his lines. Oh, wow. In the, in the first movie. And then maybe even in the sequels. When I looked around, people, the rumor was that they just say, and Tobin says something ominous and cool oh Uh, they used to do the same thing for the uh janitor on scrubs yep janitor says words (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no it's i think the thing i noticed this time around because again when you do watch it like back to back it's like oh i get it um the thing i've noticed especially just with watch like i said like watching a lot of horror movie franchises is that 
towards the end, a lot of these franchises kind of lose themselves a little bit. Like I, like we said before, Saw 3D, it really feels like you are watching two distinctly different movies. I don't understand. that. This isn't even a spoiler. I don't understand the beginning of Saw 3D. Can I just say that? When thinking of like the whole thing, I don't get why there was one of these scenarios in broad daylight in a box. I so badly wanted them to just say, nope, this was like performance art by some copycats. Right. But like, then but they're then in like, the nope. like, self-help group. like So they're legitimate survivors. I, uh, oh, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't well, deal with that. Because, again, we, um, we kind of stray away from it. Because it's like, uh, I'm going to borrow a franchise like um, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th is a... A very simple franchise. It's about uh, basically a haunting of a murderer at this location. You have Jason, who is just like, oh, he's at Camp Crystal Lake. And somehow people keep on showing up at Camp Crystal Lake, right? Shut it down. In about, I want to say the fifth. No, that should be the seventh. <laughs> In the seventh Friday the 13th movie. Wait, seven, eight. No, it's in the 8th, in the 8th Friday the 13th movie. It is called Jason Takes Manhattan. They said, let's put Jason in New York City, because that's what we need to do. And it just, the franchise got away from itself. Because they're like, oh, let's do something new and exciting. And I think that this franchise did the same thing, but a little bit differently by focusing more on the traps um, then on the relationship. Because I think the thing that's so solid about the first one is that by having these two seemingly strangers talk to each other, you start understanding how they are connected. And mm-hmm. they carry that on with the second one as well. And the third one as well, too. But That's then, huge in the fifth one. Yeah. Yeah, and so then, like, but from... After the fifth one, it kind of devolves into this other thing that um, I think that most franchises just end up hitting. And I think that's why they're doing a reboot, just so they can kind of take this the same kind of premise and give it a little bit of new life, which I'm really excited to see. Because if it's anything even close to how um, the first one is, which it really feels like it, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I, I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and I, like I said, I, I really hyper-focused on the character of John Kramer, um, a.k.a. Jigsaw, in this one. I, I guess that's why I don't really remember the fifth one, because to me, it, that's the one that deals with him the least. Like, the fourth, you get a ton of backstory. The third, you're feeling a lot for him, actually. You almost feel sympathetic towards him. Uh, exhibit A. And... By the sixth one, they figured out, like, okay, we got to bring this back home to somehow be about him. Um, And they do that in a really clever way uh, by the other people that he interacted with. Um, And so that's – yeah, I just – I really respect that they brought it back that far. The seventh one really walks that line, though, of, like – Oh, it does. Is it about the – like you said, the traps? A lot of it does feel about the traps, but the part that – like the parts that aren't about that are honestly about um, almost doing right by a guy that had such dedication to an idea. 
um, which is so twisted, uh, but interesting to watch in this um, in this story. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, oh, no. Oh, Grayson. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. What is it? I think I think I just set off a trap. What? No. Huh? What? I got really panicked and then I pulled a key. Why did you do that? Why are you doing this? I'm so sorry. I think it just launched off the head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. I want to say some head cannon. <laughs> that was more Batman than anything, I think. Swear to me, you'll play a game. Uh, <laughs> head cannon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Now, Grayson. Yep. I'm going to let you start because I, I, I don't want to take away what headcanon I think you might be saying. Ricky, I am so confident. I would be remiss in my role as your co-host or whatever. We don't really have titles for this. Your friend. You know what? At the end of that, your friend. Uh, if I didn't let you go first because I am confident enough that this is original headcanon. Okay. I'm right. that confident. And... If I am wrong, then my head's going to blow up. <laughs> oh, no. The stakes are so high. Yep. Okay. So I have two major pieces of headcanon. First one being um, this takes place in Gotham. Deep, deep, deep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Okay. No. Go on. Was that it? Was that really what? it? The bleep. Yeah, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No. You know, like you said, the pin's already been pulled, so you know, just just like in most of those scenarios, we're we're both not gonna make it out of this. So Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, just it's just the idea that he is um a lot like Zaz um in the uh Arkham series. Um, and how, like, he kind of, like, he, like, makes cuts on his body for, like, every person that he's, like, killed, basically. He just goes on this murder spree, but... And he's bald. That, too. Yeah. And the, uh, but I think the biggest thing is that I think the um, the best of Arkham, of uh, Batman's villains are his villains who are sympathetically um, just out of their mind. Um, but at the same time, they really believe that they are doing the right thing. And that's the thing that I think, um, needs or that, that leads it to being a part of the Arkham world. Yeah. I mean, that's true for heroes and villains. They Mm -hmm. have to believe completely in their cause or they're just not compelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a very Arkham Gotham mentality. Dang it! I'm so sorry. Did you have any anything else? Uh, I mean that this is um, uh, Zaz is Linus. <laughs> Just on one of his. Not John Kramer. Zaz is like is like. Wait, are you talking about Linus from Charlie Brown? I'm talking about Linus from Lost. Oh, Benjamin Linus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just that this is just one of the... This was a flash back to his life. 
Oh, even better. This is an alternate timeline where he never was on the island. Oh. I mean, he really loves helping bald people named John. <laughs> he And he, he's like, he's really special. And he says the same thing about another John. <laughs> You're special, John. He's a great man. You have no idea. I truly am sorry. Um, no, that's great. Good for you and your head cannon. Um, okay, I'm gonna build on that though because I, I gotta salvage my head cannon. So I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna pivot and come up with this second idea I had. That Kramer from Seinfeld is <laughs> is John Kramer. Um, here's, here's how it happens. Now, if you watch Seinfeld, if you watch Seinfeld all the way through, you know that, uh, Kramer's first name is not John. It is Cosmo. But I believe that after the events of Seinfeld, and this is a massive spoiler to the final oh episode of Seinfeld. Gosh, Grayson, are you, what? what? <laughs> to the final episode of Seinfeld. What? Have you not <laughs> seen Seinfeld? I have. I'm just impressed that you're taking it in this direction. Please continue. After the final events of of Seinfeld, once Kramer is, we'll just say released, once Kramer is released, he wants to start a new life um, as an older man. Uh, so he just takes the very generic name of John, but doesn't lose the Kramer moniker. So Cosmo Kramer becomes John Kramer. Um He's an old man that has a lot of different skills, um, and just like, just like uh, in Seinfeld and now in Saw, mysteriously somehow money is no issue for him, <laughs> um, and he makes a point of like, uh, money's not a problem. So, if you watch the episode of Seinfeld in season five titled "The Fire," Kramer recounts a story where he helps a woman who has had her toe severed. Um, it's this big monologue, uh, a street sweeper ran over her toe. It's severed. She's taken away, but he finds the toe in the street. So he puts the toe in a Cracker Jack box and hijacks a bus to try to get it there to the hospital in time to reattach this severed toe, uh, which that alone, the image of Kramer with a severed body part is like, yeah, okay. That's compelling. Um, during that bus ride, he has to take over the bus. Uh, he's driving it himself, right? He hijacks the bus. As he's doing that, other criminals are trying to, like, hold him up at gunpoint, and he's fighting them off. Um, kind of like, be, at one point he says he, like, opens the door and kicks them out. So he's got this vigilante mentality almost because he's trying to get this toe to the hospital. Um I, Not to mention the fact that you could actually line up uh, – Tobin Bell's face with Michael Richards' face, and it's very similar. Like, I, you could do that casting and have it be believable. Um, so Kramer has this experience where he's rushing this toe to the hospital. It puts him both with severed body parts and in a hospital, both very important things uh, within the Saw universe. Grows up, marries Jill Tuck, and the, the rest of the series plays out without too many spoilers. Um here is where my headcanon intersects with your headcanon. During that monologue that Kramer gives in Seinfeld, at one point, Jason Alexander, George Costanza, comes to the conclusion of, Kramer, you're Batman. 
And he says, you are Batman. And Kramer says, oh, yeah, I'm Batman. He makes that claim in 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 this model. In Seinfeld, he says that. Um, I don't believe that he's Batman. But I believe that he is someone who aspires to be Batman in a very mm-hmm. deranged way. Um, like many of the villains uh, in Gotham who have similar mentalities but just are off by one or two degrees. Um, and in the same style of a Gotham villain or vigilante, he uh, adopts dolls, hoods, blades as his modus operandi. So um, it's very much the same aesthetic as a Batman villain. Um, and this this is somewhat of a spoiler for, I think, the fourth-ish movie. But uh, you, you come to learn the name of jigsaw's son is gideon now if you're familiar with the young knight series uh season two of of the animated series young knight um one of the uh main antagonists in that his name was gideon dobson so setting up the idea that if this is an alternate reality that that gideon could possibly be the gideon from uh john kramer where this is two generations of Gotham villains, um, their origin story along the way. Again, it has to be an alternate reality, not to Gotham, but to the Saw movies. Um, Anyway, I'm starting to wrap in on myself. I am basically saying that John Kramer is Seinfeld's um, Kramer, uh, Seinfeld's Kramer, and that that same character also exists within the Gotham universe. So that connects Kramer, Seinfeld, and, or sorry, John Kramer, Cosmo Kramer, and Bruce Wayne, all in the same universe, which makes sense why Jerry has such an affinity for Superman, because he is the opposite Superman isn't just a comic fantasy for Jerry Seinfeld. He is a real person that exists in their world uh, who fights crime and therefore is the defender of good. Um, So, yes, Seinfeld takes place in the DC universe. Wow. This goes straight to the top. Listeners, um, I know you can't see this, but Grayson has just the biggest conspiracy theory wall (laughs) <laughs> on. there's red string there's photographs there are maps he has thought this out that was Again, amazing that does not help my case in court ricky <laughs> thank you so much i'm so sorry uh you just made me think of my uh last headcanon which was um grayson who plays the cop in the second saw movie that would be uh the boston guy Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Can, usually this is where we would pause and look it up on IMDb. Uh, well, no, well I, I, I'm, so, you, so you are familiar with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Completely different question. Okay. Um, who is Bruce Willis's patient in uh, the sixth sense? The Boston guy. Oh, yeah. He, Wahlberg. He is a Wahlberg, yes. It's Wahlberg. Yes, it is Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, so my headcanon is that they are brothers, twin mm. brothers. The old twin brother switcheroo, or yeah. one, it, it, probably the um, 
the saw detective was driven to law enforcement based on the reactions that he had to his mentally ill brother. Ooh, there it is. Headcanon. Hmm. Wow. That is, uh, that is good. That's a good connection. Uh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Now we're going to go into a segment we know as recast and remake. Now, hypodermically speaking, <laughs> if... <laughs> If this movie were to be made today, uh, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? Oh, do you want to go first again? No, no, no. No, I think you should. You know, maybe that's the game. Maybe like maybe I'm Adam and I was never meant to make it out of this episode. I'm so sorry. Maybe uh, the key went down the drain, Ricky, <laughs> along with this entire episode. Oh man. Oh. I would love for them like first off, the tone of this movie is amazing. Um the mystery of it is fantastic. I would love it if they did a just a short story version where it is Shaggy and Scooby strapped. No, uh, <laughs> no, um, <Yoinks. laughs> uh, <laughs> like saw your legs, Scoob. Huh? No, no. Um, I'm so sorry for painting that visual in everyone's <laughs> brain. Uh, <laughs> old man Kramer. <laughs> I would have gotten away with it too. Uh, no, I really think that a great cast, um, would be, um, Brian Cranston. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! No, Cranston, no! I mean, who else was it going to be? I mean, what other guy that looks good, bald, low talker was going to play Jigsaw? Uh, fine. I'm oh. sorry! I'm sorry! <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, beep, Brian Cranston and no, beep, no beep, one beep, else. Beep. Just... All right, go on. Um, I, are you just if... recasting the first movie? Yes, just the okay. first movie. All right. Um, for Adam, I really think that um, I recently saw um, Jason Sudeikis in. Oh. Are you? Oh my god! No, but it, half of it is the same, and I freaked for a second. Oh gosh! Okay. Uh, sorry, not Sadek. No, I'm gonna say Sadek. Um, I saw him in Colossal, and I was super surprised by his performance. So I think he'd do well in here. But I would like him as Adam, um, and then uh, for Lawrence, I would love, 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 love um, to have uh, Shamor Morris. Jamoran Morris. I can't picture. Uh, sorry, um, he is in New Girl. Oh, yeah. Of course. Did I say his name wrong? There's a good chance I said his name wrong. How did you say it? Shamorn. I think it's Lamorne. L- that, that's why I said Lamorne. Lamorne. Mor- it looks like Lamorne. Yeah, Lamorne Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love for both of them to be in there. Uh, but both playing it very serious. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I just love the tone. I love the mystery. I think that those characters would bounce well off of each other. Or those actors would bounce well off of each other. Yeah. And then uh, 
Zap would be played by Matthew Lillard because, you know, of course. Matthew Full Lillard. Circle. Uh, he plays Shaggy in <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Of course. No, I wasn't questioning. I was just <laughs> saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. How about you? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess uh, Brian Cranston off the top of my head for Jigsaw. <laughs> um, for Dr. Gordon, I'd like to see Michael Fassbender. Ooh. I think he has the qualities that take that much rage, but also be a believable family man. Uh, for Adam, Jason Siegel. Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. I think I think he could play terrified pretty well. Oh, that'd be great. Um, for Amanda, I cast Amanda in this as well, even though she's oh, in nice. it only briefly um, in this first one. But Chloe Grace Moritz, Moritz, yeah, Moritz, Lamorne Morris. Um, <laughs> I think she would be good. Uh, and then originally I was going to uh, actually cast this next person as Adam, but I just couldn't pass up uh, casting Danny Glover's character of Detective Tap as Donald Glover. Um, I yes. do think Donald Glover could switch back and forth between Adam or Tap, whichever uh, would fit best. And then um, for Michael Emerson, Michael Emerson. <laughs> Playing the part of Michael Emerson. As Benjamin Linus doing a Zep impression as inspired by Michael Emerson. Amazing. I love it. Flawless. Yep. <laughs> Although if this that. were to be a comedy adaption, uh, adaptation, then um, you could get Michael Richards to just play Jigsaw. And when he gets up at the end, he does a pratfall. Yep. Just like slips on all the blood. And people laugh, but they're also really confused because they just watched a guy hack his own foot off. Yep. Oh, man. I would love it if they did this as a series. Um, like, mm. the, the the movie is serialized enough. Yeah. Um, and basically, at the end of the movie, it felt like it could have easily transitioned into a series. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that this would be a good, like almost mini series that just is like it's almost like american horror story um, yeah but it just has like all these different seasons that are in the same world but disconnected but also connected um and uh i think that that would be really really interesting i think it would be cool if it was like a 12-part netflix uh episodic mini series where each episode's an hour um, but every episode is a different trap and you start to discover that they're all happening at the same time. Like the whole thing is a meanwhile. And then the finale is the payoff of all of that. Oh, I like that. So things would just happen because all the rooms would be like connected. If you did like 12 of them, you could do it Hunger Games 2 style where it's like these are all yeah. parts of a big clock. And they're kind of like affecting each other. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to give too many ideas uh, for the jury. I like it. I like, like it. This a lot. guy is sick. He came <laughs> up with this clock idea. Oh man, he came up with this clock idea and he said he really related to the <laughs> the I murderer really... of the series. Um I I think that would hold up with the the canon of the original movies though because I I think it's in 4 again. He um points out this really old clock that he got, that he was interested in this clock that had been ticking for like 300 years or something like that. 
Um, and then he has this kind of like clockwork mentality already um, to physically make that kind of mechanical clock device would totally make sense with how he would go about that. Yeah. Your absolutely. time is up. <laughs> All right. So now it's time to go into our final segment uh, where we give you our reasons to recommend. So Grayson, I'll let you go first. Uh, why would you recommend Saul? Probably the same reasons as you, Ricky. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I I would recommend Saw. Uh, I mentioned it earlier for the the story structure. Um, I've I've actually always maintained this ever since I saw the first. Or <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Ever since I saw the second movie and how it related to the first one. Um, to take a a, a sequel. And totally change the context for where that first story took place to be like, nope, this one was actually like here location wise, or these characters were actually doing this at this time um, without feeling like you were lying to the audience. Like that was the thing through all seven movies. I never felt like I was lied to. I felt like I got the information in a very strategic way. And that is the most satisfying feeling as an audience member um, to not be able to guess what the story is. And I, I couldn't like each time I could not guess and it didn't feel like a cheat. So I recommend it. uh, If you love twists, it's, it's tough to blanketly recommend this series though. I will say that it is very disturbing. It's very gruesome. You have to have a thick skin and a tough stomach to actually be able to, Uh, handle a lot of the scenes um but it is uh such a rewarding story arc um and the character of of john kramer or jigsaw i actually like thinking of him more as john kramer because it that that's what makes this different than slasher films like it's not just the paranormal freddy krueger like jason Voorhees type feel it is like this was a guy who had he was dealt a bad hand in a lot of ways and took it way too far um and he legitimately believed that he was doing good in people's lives um at the beginning there are some notes of revenge but he admits that and he he says like no i i never killed anybody i gave people a chance to rehabilitate themselves and that i mean that's very different than what we've seen before from these kinds of movies. So from the character development, all of that is a long way of saying from the character development to the story structure itself, it surprises as an audience member. And um, that's, that's just a, a thrilling experience that most movies can't deliver on. Absolutely. I would recommend this movie. <clears throat> excuse me. I would recommend this movie because like, like we've been talking for a while now about a slasher film like it's it's uh, like a, a horror movie film that mm-hmm. like deals with a lot of murder especially with the later series but like we've been gushing over just how well they told a really great mystery uh and for that alone i think it's worth watching yeah. um it's so interesting because like as someone who has watched like a lot of horror movies uh, there are a lot of really dumb things that happen in horror movies, a lot of plot holes, a lot of really dumb choices. Um, but 
the thing about this movie is it feels so grounded in reality uh, that it all like in like Grayson said it's it's chilling uh, because it feels so real. <laughs> like it feels like oh oh yeah this could happen. Like someone could just go off the rails and start putting people in reverse bear traps. Like. Yeah. Like it, it feels real, but that I think that's a testament to um Adam's writing um and their I think their desire to make a really compelling film with what little they had. So, um yeah, I recommend the movie because especially the first one because if you're not really into like a ton of gore, uh especially comparatively to the other movies, uh this is the tamest of all of them. Yep. Uh, the other ones, they get all up in. They're like, oh, well, we got a budget now because we're going to make over $100 million. Let's get into the grit. There, There's a scene in the sixth movie where I was like, man, I could have gone my whole life and not seen that. <laughs> that <Yep>. was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. But that being said, the sixth movie also has one of the most human moments where a guy is told that he's not going to be covered for medical care and you feel for him and you're like, man, that, that feels really bad. And so for all of the disgusting gore moments, you also have these moments where you're like, I'm, I'm angry for these characters. Uh, yeah. It's such a weird back and forth. It's a very like love hate relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But I really enjoyed watching all seven. Let me just say that. All right, then that concludes uh, Making of a Murderer. No, don't uh. say it. <laughs> oh, lastly, I uh, we didn't do an in, in a adaptation version because we touched on that. It had already kind of been a, adapted a little bit uh, ago. But I, I have to say, I've been playing the heck out of uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes, and it just convinced me that all I really want in life is a Lego Saw game. <laughs> just where they're like popping arms off and stuff oh yeah, my just like gosh. a puzzler a, a puzzle lego saw game that covers yes. all seven movies <laughs> that is fantastic get on it lego dimensions you know you want to <laughs> you've done everything else literally night rider uh <laughs> All right, that so that is our review of the 2004 horror thriller Saw. Let us know what you remember about Saw on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. Um, oh yeah, the time the timer's ticking. There's only so much time. <laughs> and also, be sure to um, leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, just search for us, and then find flashback flicks and then click on there and then leave us a rating and a review letting us know on the scale of one to five blades um or no one to five dirty bathrooms yeah uh, <laughs> i was gonna say dirty bathrooms no Grayson. all right i'll just go back to singing the recap music that's at the end of every movie when it gets really <laughs> intense uh, so, yes, leave us a review there. Uh, letting us know on a scale of one to five uh, dirty bathrooms. <laughs> What'd you thought? Five dirty bathrooms would be bad, but it's actually good in this rating scale. 
That's very confusing. <laughs> all right. And before the trap gets all the way down to it, uh, be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Bum, bum, bum. Hello, Ricky. Congratulations for completing your task. As a reward, you will enjoy a new reformed life and the opportunity to watch Goonies before the premiere of Stranger Things Season 2. Enjoy. Oh, thanks. Do, do I need to watch Stranger Things Season 2? This is not a conversation. Okay, alright, got it. <laughs>